In our last episode, we dove into how to get more leads. In this episode, we're going to dive into the second most, what would you call it, the complaint that we hear from yeah. coaches, from all the conferences, all the different places that we go to, all the different people we talk to is, how do I get good coaches? So Dr. J, let's start off with like, let's just define what is a good coach? Well, a good coach is somebody that um, is, is clear on what they need to do, is able to do that and enjoys doing it. It's pretty much that simple. How you get there is a little bit more complicated. So it's interesting because everyone we talk to, they're like this new generation. They just don't want to work as hard. They don't want to learn. They don't want to do all the stuff. And what's funny is we were at a, a conference and one of the keynote speakers was giving his presentation. And what he was presenting on was every generation thinks the next generation yeah. doesn't work as hard, doesn't want to put in the, the, the effort. And so there's a few things that we're going to break down today, a lot from Dr. J and how we use her even at my fitness facility to be able to get the best people and how to keep them around. So stay tuned to find that out. Welcome to Becoming the Ultimate Fitness Coach with the Jock and the Doc Podcast, where fitness meets behavioral science. Join your hosts, Scott Schutte, a seasoned personal trainer, gym owner, and 360 wellness coach, and Dr. Janine Steister, a PhD behaviorist and expert in all things behavior change, as they share their combined expertise to empower fitness professionals like you. With practical tips, cutting-edge topics, and industry-leading guests, you'll learn everything from motivation and goal setting to habit formation and overcoming obstacles. Whether you're a seasoned fitness pro or just starting off your coaching journey, Becoming the Ultimate Fitness Fitness coach is your essential guide to mastering the art of coaching and changing lives. Okay, so let's start with the hiring process because that's where it all begins. And so, Dr. J, what's your process uh, when it comes to the, the hiring process for trainers at my facility? And, and kind of break that down for me. Yeah, well, part of it is we started a long time ago when I started working with you on this is really defining what the job is. What do you need from a good coach that's specific to your facility? Because we know that you know your facility is more one-on-one, -on -one, high-end training. It's not a Planet Fitness, open gym kind of model. And so what you need from a coach is very different than what a Planet Fitness needs. And so we spent some time figuring that out, what level of interaction that they need to have with the clients, what level of experience and understanding, things like that. What was most important to you? And I think we really landed on, we need to find the right person. You and your business partner can train them on the exercise science and nutrition science and have professional development if need be. But you really need that right personality. So a big part of that, that, that I do with you guys is when we're thinking of interviewing somebody, we're looking at what their goals are, what their desires are. We also do an assessment with them to understand their basic personality style. Are they highly interactive? Do they like impacting people? Are they very reserved and quiet? Are they high detail? Um, are they very assertive and always want to be in charge? Well, that can be great sometimes for an owner, but sometimes somebody who's really assertive and always wants to be the leader and always, they can sometimes struggle in a system. Yep. And if your facility has a good system, which yours does, that can be really hard for somebody over time. So understanding that in, and really making sure that um, what they're interested in and how they're naturally wired fits not only the systems that you have, but also the schedule that they're gonna need to have. Yeah, and what's so important about this is, you know, before Dr. J, and I think a lot of people do this, they, they, they hire more on people that are like them. Mm -hmm. And although I think I'm great, um, having a lot of me at my facility isn't the best no. model no. Uh, no. for long-term success. 
And so by figuring out the, the, the best personality type for this, and even getting into uh, some of your assessments as like uh, EQ, mm-hmm. yeah. understanding emotional intelligence, because since we are a high in one-on-one training facility, it's more about creating the, the position, creating the, the profile for that position, and then through the hiring process, make sure it fits. First, finding someone and trying to get them to fit into whatever you have. Exactly, because I talk to so many people that are always like, I know how to hire. Like hiring, I got down. I just can't get these people to do what they need, whatever. And I was like, well, there's usually a correlation there. And to your point, people really do think that they know how to hire, but hiring is a whole industry expertise in and of itself. And that doesn't mean you have to have a PhD in hiring people to do it well. Um, but you do need to understand a couple of constructs around it, right? And to your point, even when we do the assessments, right, I'm looking at three things. I'm looking at how they manifest their behavior and their personality. So how do they show other people how they're wired and how they interact? That lets me know how they interact with the world. And your the way that your behaviors manifest, they change through the seasons of your life, things like that. And you and I have talked about this. If uh, what your personality profile looked like on your behaviors 10 years ago looks a little different than it does now, just because, it you know, getting better. he's matured, had more life experiences, but it does, it changes. So w- what right now is, um, is, is this person manifesting? The other thing that I look for is what are their motivators? Because what are their value system? Because if they're if they have certain value systems and motivators that are in line with how the business runs, um, what the business is doing, and and where it's going, and the type of clients they have, then we know that that's going to be a good fit for the person. Because you want an employee, a coach, somebody that's partnering with you to be happy and engaged. So we want to make sure that's a good fit. And then the third one is emotional intelligence or EQ, um, emotional quotient. What's interesting about EQ is that a lot of people think that IQ is the thing that predicts like how brilliant and successful and things that are. And two things about IQ. One is it doesn't move much. It's pretty stagnant. It'll move a little bit, but there's not big swings in it. The second part of it is, is that it's actually not the biggest predictor of success. EQ tends to be. And that's because IQ just has to do with capacity, but that doesn't really mean that you're using it or you're able to use it in context. So EQ just lets me know, can this person regulate themselves? Do they understand and regulate themselves decently? And then can they interact with others and and help people along their journey? And a big part of that is, how can I help you get where you're going? How can I understand you and then collaborate with you to go somewhere? And that's a big part of what coaches do with clients is that collaboration. So I like to look at those three. And what's, I know we're talking about coaches here, but this is also very important for like my office manager or someone that's working at the front desk because yeah. these are gonna be very different uh, profile types. Exactly. And so making sure that you have the right person um, going to the right position. The other thing about this too, that doesn't mean that they have to be exact. Like there's this, there's this perfect formula. Yeah, no, there's it, not. It's it's definitely you need a. There's there's some outliers that won't fit good in position. But it's also knowing when they when when we hire them and they come on of knowing like their tendencies or their preferences and also starting to to set up their work environment that's like that. Because with our personal training, there's a bit of an autonomy. And some people that really like the interaction, they can go six, eight hour straight of just clients. Like I'm one of those types. Some of them that have a little bit less of that, understanding that they need some breaks in between there. 
And so if we can, if we know this information going on, we can set them up for success. And that's super important. Absolutely. The other part of that too is, and you can't always do this, but when you have the opportunity to try to match a coach with a client type, and you know, this person, like you had their, your discovery meeting with them, this new client, and you, you can just tell right off the bat, they are a why person. Like give me all the details and all the nuances which is not your favorite thing, but you have trainers or coaches that really can dive into the why and do all of those types of things. And they're going to have the language and the words and be willing to explain it all and those things. And they're gonna kind of enjoy that where you like the why for learning it, but having a lot of extra words just to have extra words, probably not as, as favorite for you. So understanding different coaches and their personalities and how they might fit with clients and then you have the coaches that just are naturally um, positive, cheerleaders, energetic, and certain clients really want that. And other clients are coming in at 5.30 in the morning, please don't say too many words to me because I am barely awake kind of person, right? So it's just also that ability to match, which then is reinforcing for that coach. So moving on to the second part, and I'm sure you guys do some of this, but like that, that onboarding process, that making sure that they know what to do. And it's not just the exercise execution, it's not just the program design, it's just not the, the nutrition, it's just more of the culture of your gym. Like there's a lot of standards that we have at our facility because we are a higher end facility. For example, if someone is new and starting on your schedule, we want you to message them before the session to introduce yourself and see if there's anything that you can do for them. We want you to follow up with them after the session to see you know, is there anything they can adjust or just get some feedback? Because that, for us, that first impression is very important. And so by having this onboarding process where you teach them all these, these, these nuances that's, that's specific to your, your facility is, is super important because a lot of times we just expect things to happen or people to figure it out. But like, if we don't set people up for success and we don't give them the playbook of exactly how we want this yeah. to go, they're not going to meet your standards. And the other thing I always hear a lot from people is, um, and it's become much more popular in the last five, 10 years is culture, right? I'm yeah. creating a good culture Bean and all those things. Yeah. And, um, Bean bag chairs. <laughs> but a big, Soda a big part of culture is the, um, is pairing coaches, um, and how they work together. So one of the things that we spend some time at your facility talking to coaches about, and you and your partner are really good about reminding each other and the coaches, is how they interact on the the, the, the gym floor with one another. Because to create a good culture, um, although the coaches are autonomous in the way that they're writing programs and, and working with their clients, they're sharing a space and they're sharing membership as part of personnel for this fitness facility. So there's just certain things where people expect to put their um, equipment away. You should be looking up and paying attention. If Scott's working with a client and they've been rotating between these two, if you're gonna jump in, jump in at the right time, switch the weights back, or just wait until that rotation's done and then fly. There's just those, those relational nuances that strengthens the culture because it says, I have as much respect for you and your client as I do for me and my client. So those are even those subtle systems that if you're talking about them weekly at team meetings and reinforcing and, um, and you do the baby dragons thing where people can talk about little things that annoy them before they become the big dragons, that's really important to creating a culture because, just bec because I always tell people, just because someone isn't complaining to you 
that doesn't mean they're not frustrated with things. And just like clients that all of a sudden leave where they say, oh, it's for finances or something like that, coaches will also do that. And you're like, well, I don't know, they just all of a sudden left or I don't know what their issue was. So you have to pay attention to all of those facets of their professional development and how they feel and work in the environment. So if you, if you hire them properly and you get them trained properly, now it's about just retaining them. And so a lot of that, that retention, and you got to figure out what's going to make your facility stand out in your model. But my biggest thing is like, I want, I want my trainers to be the best paid in town. So compensation. And then I also want to take away a lot of the friction points. So they don't do any marketing. They don't do any sales. They don't do any of the scheduling. Like uh, either my, my business partner and I do all the marketing and sales. And we have office manager and assistant office manager always working in front that's doing all the scheduling and all that. So the trainers can focus solely on just being good trainers. And so there's a, there's a bunch of different models that you can do with this, uh, but that's the one that works for us in our model. And it's, it's a way to retain the trainers as, as long as we possibly can. And that's also a good example of, we know that there are some facilities where the coaches are expected to do some selling. I would profile what a good coach is for that facility very differently than I would for Scott's because since they don't have sales, I'm not looking for that part of a personality, that part of an aptitude. I'm looking for more of the relational interaction and also the systems because your facility has so much systems in place. I need someone that can orient to them and follow them. So it's very much understanding that about your model, articulating it and making sure that A, they know that coming in. And then to your point, what are the friction points that you're taking away? What are the friction points that they don't want if they were training somewhere else and now they're coming to yours and you're interviewing them? What is that? But part of that retention, too, is really understanding and having regular conversations. And one of the things that we put into place at your facility, and, and I recommend this for others, is having these quarterly meetings with your coaches just to find out how are things going? What's your satisfaction level? Where do you want to grow? What, what professional development do you want to do? What do you want to learn more about? What do you want to get better at? And, and because then you can pick up on those small little things and nib those in the bud beforehand. Or if you're sensing, okay, this coach has aspirations or desires that just don't fit into my facility, then you can start having really positive, constructive conversations about where their next step is. And then if they do leave, they leave in a way that is comfortable for everybody involved and real positive. Because you also, just like you don't want clients leaving your facility, if they do leave your facility, you don't want it because they're pissed off or whatever, and now they're disparaging your facility. Same thing with coaches. If they leave you, it's just no longer a good fit. And that should be a healthy and okay thing and not them walking away going, those guys were real asses and not good bosses, or I didn't like the facility or I wasn't treated well. Yeah. And that's really leading into my last words. Like you, you really got to be okay with people leaving because I know like when we started early on and we, we had a first trainer and he was a really good trainer and then he decided to go a different path. Like you know, we were really concerned about this. We're like, oh, you know, what should we do? How do we keep them around? Like, you know, all these different things. But, you know, if you have a good process of getting people into interview, you have a system for finding the personality, you have a good training system for them. And, you know, you have a good system with your clients that they're used to, that they're okay going with new coaches. Like, it's, it's not that big of a deal. Like, you want to provide all the things that you can that works into your model. Yeah. But, also understand that people are going to change and and that is one thing it's probably more statistically uh, 
probable with this generation is they are switching jobs and switching yeah. careers more yep, often. they're more comfortable and it's more common yeah yep. so it's just one of those things that um you know you, you you provide the best you can but being okay with them leaving and having good systems in place that you can hire someone up pretty quickly to uh, fill that void yeah everybody evolves and it's really logical that people will adjust their desires their focuses for their careers and we just you need to kind of embrace that and celebrate that. So. Yeah, so as you're hiring new people, as you're, you're building up your team, think about these different facets and like what part of these is, is an area that you can improve on. And so um, do you do any personality profile testing? And, and really to, to break that down, like uh, my partner Nate does the initial phone screen because you got to do that first to make sure the hours and understanding and get some background and make sure they can have a conversation. Like that's a, that's a big part of it. Yeah. And then the second part, if they can pass that, then it's going on to Dr. J and going through that personality assessment and all her, her different assessments to make sure that they're a good fit for that position and then having them in and meet them and seeing how they interact. So that's just the system that works for us, but figuring out what your system is to get them in and then figuring out that, that training and that ongoing support of like, how do you make this uh, the best job possible for them? So until next time, leave us a comment. Let us know if you have a process that's working or anything that you picked up from this or anything else you would like us to cover. See you next time.